this week's update. The market's summer rally continues, but investors question if this is the real deal. Stock markets are now two months into a summer rally that has taken many investors by surprise, both for its speed and scale. Since the middle of June, the US market has risen by 18%, while the tech-heavy Nasdaq index is 24% off its low point. Both indices remain well below their peak levels at the start of the year, but investors are now starting to question whether the bear market of the first half of the year is now in the past. The US benchmark, the S&P 500, started the year at about 4,700, before shedding around 1,000 points over the first six months of the year. At today's 4,280, the index has now clawed back around half of its losses. Meanwhile, other markets like the UK's FTSE 100, which fell less in the first half year, have come close to regaining all their losses year to date. At 7,500, FTSE is within 180 points of its January peak. Last week, the S&P 500 rose 3.3% and the Nasdaq was up by 3.1%. It was the fourth week in a row of rising US markets, the longest winning streak since late last year, before concerns about inflation, interest rates and recession set the scene for the most challenging first half year in half a century. Back in 1970, when the market last had such a poor start to the year, the market recovered all its losses by year-end. While that seemed unlikely to repeat itself only a few weeks ago, now it doesn't look quite so fanciful. Last week's continued rally followed slightly lower than expected inflation in America, with the consumer price index rising by 8.5% in the year to July. That compared with expectations of 8.7% and started investors thinking that maybe the worst is over for the current inflationary spike. Interest rate expectations have moderated in line with lower inflation forecasts, even though CPI remains well above the Federal Reserve's 2% target. The peak in interest rates now looks like being 3.5%. So, the big question for investors is now, bear market rally or renewed bull market? Is this rebound the real deal? It's certainly been a dramatic return to form for the stock market. In June, just 2% of leading stocks were above their 20-day moving average, Pretty much every share was trending downwards and, as ever, peak pessimism was the time for investors to start getting interested again. Today, more than 90% of companies are above this moving average. They're nearly all trending upwards again. The problem is that it's always very difficult to tell whether this kind of rally is the start of something sustainable or just a trap for unwary investors. A sucker's rally, or bear trap as it's sometimes known. Whenever a market is trending, both upwards and down, there are often periods when it moves in the opposite direction for a while, sometimes rapidly. These counter moves can catch investors out because they can suck you in just at the wrong moment before the primary trend resumes. Analysis of all the major bull markets and bear market rallies over the past 100 years or so shows that you can make a plausible case either way, simply on the basis of the speed and scale of this rally. There's just not enough information yet to know which scenario is correct. However, there are some clues to watch out for. One is that bear market rallies rarely go beyond the current 50% retracement. So, it's fair to assume that if the recent rise continues much further, 
then the odds of being in a renewed bull market will be improving with every move higher. It's also worth comparing the current backdrop to previous market cycles, in particular the inflation backdrop, supply chain disruptions and company earnings pictures look quite like the situation just after the Second World War when there was a similar bear market that quickly turned into a renewed bull market. Company profits kept rising then as they have in this downturn and in due course the valuation reset ran its course. That is the optimistic view of where we could be now. Now, as I've pointed out a few times here, not all investments march to the same drumbeat. Shares, bonds, property and commodities all operate on different cycles and respond differently to changes in the underlying economy. That's why the improving picture for shares is not necessarily shared by investors in other assets. The property market is a good example of an asset which lags behind shares, responding more in real time with the economy than shares which tend to anticipate changes. Commercial property prices have risen sharply in a low interest rate environment as investors have chased the relatively safe income real estate can offer. Today, however, the reality of rising debt service costs and downward pressure on rents as the economy heads towards a possible recession have made the arithmetic of property investing look less attractive. For the first time since just before the financial crisis, the cost of debt has risen above the rental yield and that's likely to cause problems for any property investor who's bought real estate using high levels of borrowings. Because companies are seen as higher risk than governments, they have to pay a higher interest rate to borrow money. The difference is called the credit spread and it's widened sharply this year, doubling for UK listed real estate companies over the past 12 months. The challenge will come when companies have to refinance their debts at higher interest rates, especially as this higher cost comes on top of other rising costs such as building materials and the persistence of unfavourable market dynamics like hybrid working reducing demand for office space. The refinancing issue is not just about property companies. During the pandemic, when interest rates were at rock bottom, many companies took the opportunity to refinance their debts at low interest rates. Again, many will struggle when the time comes to refinance again at now much higher interest rates. At the start of this year, riskier companies could borrow at 3%. Today, they might have to pay 6%. That could be unsustainable for some companies, especially if they're exposed to slowing end consumer demand at the same time. Defaults by companies could double this year compared to last, according to Fitch, the credit rating agency. And it's not just companies that could struggle. Some emerging market governments have increased their dollar-denominated debts in recent years, and they now face the prospect of both rising interest rates, but also a higher level of debts when measured in their own currency, thanks to the rise in the value of the dollar. In some cases, rising debt levels and funding costs will coincide with a slowing economy. And not just in the emerging world. Here in the UK, we heard last week that the economy contracted by 0.1% in the second quarter to June. While most expect a bounce back in the third quarter, that's likely to be a temporary reprieve because the Bank of England has predicted that a renewed downturn in activity in the final quarter of this year could last all through 2023 as well. 
The recession in the UK is expected to be longer, although not deeper, than the one we experienced after the financial crisis. How that will feed into other areas of the economy, most notably the still hot housing market, remains a big unknown. For now, the stock market is choosing to see the glass as half full. How long that remains the case is uncertain. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.